Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Episode 194 of Blue Jays Nation Radio brought to you by Botano. The game starts now at Botano.ca, the 2023 EGR brand of the year and you can get in on the action maybe you want to bet on a little bit of super bowl maybe you love the justin turner ad so much that you want to go throw a couple of shekels down on the blue jays to win the world series i don't know i don't know maybe <laughs> either way 19 plus please play responsibly botano.ca coomzy we are back for the first time in almost a month because it has been a while since the blue jays did something significant but they finally made a splash before we get into that i just think the offseason as a whole underwhelming is the word so far even with today's news with the turner signing right yeah i mean look we 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 were all excited about the showy otani news and then when we thought it was happening but it might not be happening we were like you know what if you can't get otani we'll be completely fine with you just going out and getting like juan soto and a picture like yamamoto or something like that rebuild showy otani in the aggregate was what we said and now here we are, and it's uh, we're rebuilt Shohei Otani to the tune of Justin Turner and Yariel Rodriguez, which is uh, not necessarily what Blue Jays fans had in mind back in November and December. But it's also important to mention there's still like a month-ish left until real spring training starts. There's games late in February, and I mean, if you look back a few years, Scott Boris' client Bryce Harper didn't sign his deal until what days or a week before spring training. Uh, with the Philadelphia Phillies. So there's still some big names out there. I don't think the Blue Jays are done, but if this is all they do before 2024, then this isn't this isn't the winter we were looking for. Uh, no, not at all. Okay, so we will talk about some of the other moves outside of Toronto that have gone down. We'll talk about some of the big names still on the market because you never know. Uh, but let's talk about the news of the day, and it's the Blue Jays signing Justin Turner to a one-year deal. He declined a $13 million player option with the Red Sox. I think that's probably a pretty good idea of where he'll come in salary-wise. He's coming off a fine season, Coombsy. For me, I just look at a guy at that age and it's like, okay, sure. You got away with the Brandon Belt thing last year, right? A guy who came in and we were all like, ooh, how much gas does he have left in the tank? But he ended up being a really solid ad. And when I look at that stat line for Turner, if he can come in and hit 276 and knock out 23 home runs for the Jays playing in a part-time-ish role, I'd say, I'd be very happy with this. I'm just not sure how confident I am he can do that again. 
Yeah, it's a little worrying when you see the number 39 next to somebody's name. I think Brandon Belt last season came into it and he was 35 or 36. But the difference there was Belt was coming off of the previous season. He had the injury, he missed a good chunk of time, and then he had the surgery in the offseason. And it was like, okay, how is this guy going to bounce back? Whereas Turner, you look at him, he played 151 games in an all-star season with the Dodgers in 21. 128 games had some time on the injured list in 2022. And then last year with the Red Sox, 146 six games and his his production has been fine if you the the worst ops of those three seasons was 788 after 2022 with the dodgers and that's when they let him walk he signed the two-year contract with the player option with the red Sox and had a better year offensively like you look at what he put up an 800 ops 23 home runs you're one of toronto's better hitters if that's what you're putting up and the blue jays had a hard time hitting good left-handed pitching last year and justin turner is a guy who does hit left-handed pitching. So I think if you're, we talked about this largely with the, with the Kiner Falefa edition as well. If you look at that as the Blue Jays have signed Kiner Falefa to replace Matt Chapman, who's going to be your everyday 3B, then that's pretty bad. And the same thing with Turner. If, if, if they've acquired, they signed Turner to replace Chapman, that doesn't look good because the glove just simply isn't the same. But realistically, like with Kiner Falefa, he's probably replacing Whit Merrifield as your platoon guy. And then Turner, he's probably replacing Belt playing DH in first base. I don't think we'll see that much of him at third. I, I, I still think it's completely wide open for the Jays to re-sign Matt Chapman, if we're being honest. I don't think this move takes them out of it by any stretch. And, you know, he barely played any third base. But when you're on a Red Sox team that has Rafael Devers, it's going to be very hard for you to get innings at third base. So maybe the Jays believe in him a little bit more than how we're looking at it. But this this shouldn't take them out of any other conversations that they want to have. If you're sitting there and going, no, we want J.D. Martinez to be our DH and we want to go spend that money on him or you want to go sign Bellinger maybe to be in the outfield and that creates some other DH opportunities with the outfielders and sure you can make Turner a third baseman if you want to go sign Matt Chapman bring him back at third base then like you said Turner can take that Brandon Belt spot I don't think this is a deal that is a final move so far this winter I do think that Brandon Belt role would be nice for Turner and and if that's what it ends up being decent bet and I guess it's a lame answer, but my answer to do I like this or not is I need to see what else happens, right, Cam? Like that that's kind of what it boils down to. If this is the big splash and this is the team they're heading into spring training with, I think every fan deserves to be really pissed off at the way this winter unfolded. If there's one more big signing and Turner's just a depth ad, then I, I think this is a good move. Yeah, I'm perfectly fine with it. Like I said, like the the Kiner Falefa replacing Merrifield, sure. Turner replacing Belt, sure. Either of those two guys replacing Chapman, no, not ideally. I, it's hard to say at this point right now. The four the four Scott Boris um, clients still left there. It's it's difficult to say what what offers they've had. Like we don't know specifically what the Blue Jays have offered Matt Chapman. We know they talked about an extension during or before last season, and the numbers were very far apart. But if the market keeps rolling the way it does, and there aren't that many suitors for a guy like Chapman, maybe he does wind up just coming back to the Blue Jays at less than the projection was $150 million, essentially the George Springer contract. That was the expectation. That's what he's looking for. And then Cody Bellinger, of course, there's talk about 200 mils. But if those come down, then maybe the Blue Jays are the team who, like with Bryce Harper and the Phillies a few years ago, maybe they're the team that goes and signs one of these big names two days before pitchers and catchers report to Florida. It's really hard to say, but yeah, we're definitely on the same page where it's, Let's give it another few weeks to see where we're at. But if this is the team that they roll into 2024 with, then 
I wouldn't blame fans for not wanting to buy premium seats and spend more on alcohol and, and X, Y, and Z. I, I wouldn't blame people. It's It's been kind of mad. And, and given all the context too, right? Like the season last year, the result against Minnesota, the result they had against Seattle before that, you know, you want to see, you want to see some major changes, but there's also validity behind what Ross Atkins has been saying. And you also look at when, when Bo Bichette talked last week when he came on Blair and Barker, he also said he thinks the team's right there. They have the roster to be successful. It comes down to a handful of players having better seasons um, than they did last year. And I mean, I think ultimately if Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Dalton Barshow, Alejandro Kirk, names like that, go back to having their career averages, what you'd expect from them in 2024, then we're not really so concerned about who's being added to last year's roster. It's about improvement from those guys. So get quality veterans who can fill holes. Don't sign terrible contracts. Keep yourself flexible. I can understand what they're doing, but I can also understand why fans aren't excited. I don't think anyone's rushing out to buy a Turner or a Kiner Falefa jersey this uh, before next season. No, the J shop won't have any custom IKF gear coming in anytime soon. I wanted to throw you something. It's honestly the first thing that popped into my head when I saw the Turner news earlier this morning. Yesterday, we saw the Seattle Mariners go out and get Jorge Polanco from the Twins. They got uh, right hand, right hander Anthony Desclafini, Justin Toba, a couple minor leaguers as well, some cash. The fact that this Turner deal comes less than 24 hours after the Polanco thing, I think that tells us they were in pretty deep on Polanco and maybe that was option A and they just lost the bidding war. Yeah, that's a possibility because it was somebody that was brought up quite a few times, but Minnesota wound up getting a decent haul there. Like the pitcher, Di Scalfani, I mean, he's had good years in the past and can be a good innings munching pitcher. And without very many arms on the open market, that's, you know, it's a valuable player for the Twins Twins to go ahead and get. So, I mean, if you look at that from a Blue Jays perspective, then I, I, I don't think the value matches up. But you think about it from the Twins, maybe they're asking for Alec Manoa or something like that. The Blue Jays don't have enough big league starting pitching depth that they can probably go ahead and do that. Unless maybe you're doing a move that involves Yusei Kikuchi. You look at him, okay, one year from free agency, let's sell high after that great season and move him for a position player. Maybe that would have made sense, but it's really hard to say the blue Jays, like the way this, this, this free agent market has kind of panned out now that the big names went elsewhere. And I, I Juan Soto is not a free agent, but you know, we kind of talked about him like he was in this market. With all these big names off the market, you kind of wonder from Toronto's perspective, do you really want to go and lock yourself in on a big contract right now to a Chapman or a Bellinger, a name like that? Or you want to just go and find Turner's, Polanco's, guys who are closer to free agency. And if you give up nothing to get Turner and he gives you two or three wins above replacement in 2024, then you've done a lot better trading what you have from your major league roster. Like the Blue Jays have solid depth, but I don't know if they have enough depth to go up and move two or three or four pieces for a guy like Polanco. Even if Polanco's better, I'd rather just add Turner for free just for money. Yeah. And, Again, maybe there was a situation where hey, the Jays made their because the, the Twins also got a handful of minor leaguers and some cash and whatever. Like maybe the Jays were going to the Twins and saying, hey, we have the minor leaguers. We have the cash. We'll do this if you want to. And ultimately it was, you know, maybe Minnesota saying, no, you got to give us an arm. And the Jays just said, well, why would we give up an arm? For this guy, when, like you said, Turner costs you nothing but salary, right? So it wouldn't surprise me in the least if we hear in the next couple of days that the Jays were pretty far down the line on a guy like Jorge Polanco. We've kind of heard there was interest throughout the winter and the Jays and Twins maybe hooking up. 
for a move doesn't end up happening. Basically, 12 hours later, the Jays go out and sign Justin Turner. I know John Morosi had a tweet saying that uh, he's hearing Turner is going to be like a primary DH with a little bit of first base. So that would lead you to believe that maybe there is still an open spot at third base. Turner, the second, we'll call it big signing for the Jays this winter. The other one came with a free agent right-hander, Yariel Rodriguez. It's a four-year deal, 38 million dollars for a guy who wasn't pitching in the majors uh, last season so it's an interesting ad but it's one coomzy that i think comes with some sneaky amount of upside and the floor here is also pretty high like at four years 38 million bucks if he comes in and is just a dependable late reliever for you you're probably happy with that price tag if they bring him to the majors for a year and then next season when maybe a spot in the rotation opens up or maybe he makes some spot starts throughout the year, if he ends up being a rotation arm for you at any point over this four-year deal, then you're probably thrilled with this deal. So I really like this move. I think it pre- presents some really intriguing upside. Yeah, I was sarcastic about this one off the hop when I said Turner and Rodriguez being, you know, the underwhelming thing. But like, yeah, you're you're not wrong. This is this is quietly an interesting ad for the Blue Jays. So the, the context on this guy is that he's from Cuba and he went over to Japan to pitch. And then after 2022, his 22, 22 season over 54 innings, he posts a 1.15 ERA as a reliever, which is, you know, fantastic. And um, he's going to try and come over to the major leagues in 2023. Can't work out a deal with his um, Japanese league team. And he winds up sitting up, sitting out the entire season. And the only pitching that he had last year was for Cuba in the World Baseball Classic, where I think it was across two starts, seven and one third innings. He posted 2.45 ERA, 10 strikeouts. So, I mean, the upside's obviously there, but it's, it's, it's obviously pretty difficult to predict how a guy is going to pitch after basically just having a year off. Like, it's not like he's coming off of a year missed due to Tommy John or something like that, but a year without pitching, it's going to require some time to build them up. So what this kind of looks like to me is, you know, the Jays had Ross Stripling a few years ago in that kind of swingman role where he was their like sixth starter, also like a, like a depth reliever that could come in and pitch middle innings. And they tried to get Mitch White to replace him in that role. And Mitch White, just hasn't been very good since, though. He is back on the 40-man roster after pitching well in AAA Buffalo. But if 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 Rodriguez can be that guy for the Jays, then it gives you more room for error with someone like Manoa. Like, Alec Manoa is your fifth starter to start the year. That makes sense. And then you have Rodriguez who can go down to AAA Buffalo, whereas Mitch White's out of options. It's a better option for the Blue Jays, I think, than White. Um, but it's also like it's a decent financial investment. It's not like they're not paying him anything. It's it's around eight, nine million dollars a year, which which can be great value if he winds up being what 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 Stripling was. But if we're winding up with just, a, you know, Sam Gavilio middle reliever who goes back and forth between Triple A Buffalo and the big leagues at that price, then not ideal. But if, if there's one thing this front office has done well, I think it's find quality pitchers that work well with their staffs and have good results. So I'm, I'm feeling pretty optimistic about this one. The other thing, when we look at last year and we were so thrilled with the rotation, even considering the Manoa new or the Manoa, whatever went on there, but those other big four with Gosman and Barrios and you go down the line, they were all insanely healthy last year. They basically made every single start. And if you follow the rest of the majors, the Jays were very, very fortunate to have that play out the way it did. So the fact that they had the foresight to be like, hey, like we're probably not going to be healthy all year. Like you're probably going to need Rodriguez to make a start for you at some point throughout the year. Mitch White's probably going to have to make some starts for you throughout the year because 
going through a season with four of your five starters staying more or less 100% healthy, that is an incredibly rare thing. And then you also have to remember they had Ryu come up halfway through the season for a little bump too. So I, I don't know. I think this is a really smart ad. You're going to need pitching depth. I will be shocked if the Jays, and I know this is whatever people will say, I'm jinxing it or some weird shit like that, but like, they're probably not going through next season as healthy as they were from a rotation perspective, even though some people might be like, well, what do you mean? Manoa was hurt. And it's like, no, Manoa stunk and then was air quote <laughs> hurt. Like, come on, let's be real here. So um, I think adding some depth to the rotation is smart. Like, again, I like the Rodriguez ad. I like the Turner ad. If they can go out and make one more significant move, Chapman or Bellinger, then I'm actually probably going to give them a passing grade for this offseason. But right now, like the options are, Go get another big name and I'm giving you like a B plus. Don't get another big name and it's an F grade offseason total failure. It's weird how that one move now will really sort of swing things. Do you have a preference as to whether it's Matt Chapman or Cody Bellinger with the big contract? I've gone back and forth on this a lot of times. I was for a minute there. I was really excited about Cody Bellinger being a Blue Jay. I saw the fit and I was like, that's perfect. But then you look uh, the the stats people online have pointed out the underlying numbers. And I'm skeptical about the hard hit balls. I've heard so much about hard hit balls over time with Vladdy nailing balls into the ground. Then you have Cody Bellinger hitting these soft home runs. It doesn't make any sense, but I'm skeptical of that. At least Matt Chapman. We might, we might not, I don't want to say we don't love them because that sounds, that sounds mean and negative. It's just like, it's the, it's kind of the demon, you know, versus the one you don't know. And it's, I've said this before. We've, we've, we've watched Matt Chapman strike out through like 95 down the middle enough times that we don't now appreciate his gold glove defense or like his, his doubles, his power when it does come. So I'm kind of like, you know, is Cody Bellinger just like the shiny new thing or, does Chapman just make sense? He's already familiar with the team. It wouldn't be exciting. Like, I feel like if they add Bellinger, there's more of an excitement to it. But if they add Chapman, it might make more sense. I bet you if if, if the Blue Jays sign Chapman, fans will be pissed. I, I, I just have a feeling. Yeah, and I think you're right in the sense that the negatives we now know with Chapman have overshadowed what makes him truly elite. And Cody Bellinger would have this shiny new toy effect where it's like, oh, man, yeah, look at the MVP season, all this stuff. Am I wrong in thinking Chapman would be better for next season? Bellinger, however, might be better long term. When you look at the fact that Jays have some good young infielders coming up through their system, like I think you're hoping a Martinez or a Barger or whoever can eventually come up and be an everyday guy for you and be a damn good everyday guy for you in the infield. And that might mean, you know, if you got Bichette and you got the platoon sitting at second base, one of those guys can come up and be an everyday third baseman for you within the next 12 to 18 months, then you're, you're loving life. And that might mean you shouldn't have spent all that money on Chapman. But for next season, you have a clear hole at three base. You have an outfield that is relatively set because you brought back Kiermaier for one season. So Bellinger is like a square peg in a round hole for next season. But then long term, you're going to lose Kevin Kiermaier. There's no way he comes back for a third one year deal. Next year, you're probably or next next year, you're probably going to need Cody Bellinger in that spot. So it's weird how two years from now, you probably want Bellinger right now. You probably want Chapman. Is that a weird way of looking at it? No, that makes sense, because I think if you look at Toronto's top position player prospects, you're, you're looking at a lot of infielders like Barger um, plays the corner outfield. Of course, they've 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 tried to do that with a lot of their prospects, have them be able to play left, right field, first, third, be versatile. But I don't really see a name in the system right now where you're like, OK, this guy's going to provide elite center field defense. He can play first base and he can hit bombs. He's left handed. The profile of Bellinger makes a lot of sense if 
you're actually just getting the good version of Cody Bellinger. But then, I don't know, it just it, it, it feels like the sort of profile of a player where a long term contract could really blow up in your face. And it, it feels sort of like that with both of them, but more so with Bellinger than Chapman. Chapman really feels like the kind of player who can kind of have a consistent, nice ride through his 30s. I'm not going to say Adrian Beltre, like first ballot Hall of Famer. It's not going to be something like that, but it seems like the kind of third baseman you can have just really be consistent and you know what to expect from him each year. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't know. Chapman just feels like the safer option. I feel like his floor is higher and I, uh, people might disagree with me, but maybe that's just the feeling I have from having him on the team the past two years. Well, because even if you can't hit, you know you're getting elite, elite defense, right? So it's like that glove really shouldn't go away from his game at any point. So it's like, hey, could he have a bounce back offensively? Like we saw him the first month of last season, rip the cover off the ball. We're sitting here being like, oh my God, this guy might be an MVP finalist this year. And then we saw things fall apart. If he can find some consistency next season and keeps bringing you the glove, then yeah, I think he's the slam dunk fit. The only awkward thing would be in a couple of years or halfway through next season when you got these young guys pushing down the door, hopefully. And it's like, what do you end up doing? But I, I don't expect them to be in on either of the two arms, Montgomery or Snell. I, I just I look at the rotation the way it is. They got Rodriguez. I can't if they're going to spend money, they're doing it on a bat, right? Yeah, you think I mean. We, we, we've talked about the idea of moving like Kikuchi a sell high that and then I guess Manoa if you were the relationship has been destroyed and they have to do something but we've talked about this before I think we both agree that if you're going to win an Alec Manoa trade you have to at least give him a chance to rebuild himself in 2024 and I mean a motivated Alec Manoa, one with chip a chip on his shoulder after what happened last year, I think is an Alec Manoa you'd like to have on your team. So I don't really see that many situations where the Jays make a trade getting rid of a pitcher and they get better by signing Snell or Montgomery because those numbers are going to be huge. Like Blake Snell won the National League Cy Young last year and didn't come close to 200 innings. I'm not really sure if that fits what the Blue Jays have going on. They've got some rubber arms here. And the point is, is that these guys can go deep into games, log a bunch of innings, continue pitching well in September, October. I, I'm really not sure Blake Snell's that guy. Jordan Montgomery, fantastic last year, of course, uh, in the playoffs. Um, but just looking at the Blue Jays and how much money they have, how they're eventually going to have to perhaps sign Bo and Vlad to long-term extensions. They've already handed out a lot of money to pitchers. Uh, Gosman's got a big contract. Barrios has got a big contract. Bassett's got a big contract. I, I, I'm on the same page. I don't, I don't see the Blue Jays spending any more big dollars on a pitcher. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, let's take a look around baseball, um, see some of the other big signings and discuss. But first, actually, we're going to step aside for a quick break. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. 
Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Back on episode 194 of Blue Jays Nation Radio brought to you by Batano Kumzi. It hasn't been like a crazy offseason outside of the Otani stuff, but there are some somewhat notable moves. Uh, One guy leaving the Jays, Jordan Hicks, got the four-year, $44 million deal from the San Francisco Giants. I know some people were like, hey, why didn't you just go give the extra $6 million to Jordan Hicks and not deal with this Yariel Rodriguez guy? The talk is Hicks wants to be a starter. I don't think the Jays were in a position where they could give Hicks that starter job. I'm actually considering all of that. I'm happier with Rodriguez at 38 than I think I might have been with Hicks at 44. As much as I loved watching a dude come in and throw 100 and whatever on the mound in a Blue Jays jersey, I actually think the gamble on Rodriguez, it it could pay off a little bit better than going to Hicks and saying, yeah, okay, we're going to promise you this many starts every year. We're going to try to build you into a starter. I think Rodriguez might have been a better fit. Yeah, it might be. I, I I just mentioned how the Jays really like to have those those rubber arms that can toss a lot of innings. And I, I can't say, of course, if Rodriguez is going to be that in the big leagues. But the idea of Hicks being a starter is sort of a weird one because he has the pitch mix for it, but he's never really started in the big leagues. He had, I think it was the 2021 season. He was their fifth starter when one of the Cardinals main guys was injured. I can't remember who it was. And he, he was fine. He pitched, you know, three, four, five innings and a handful of starts and put up like a 450 ERA. It wasn't great, but it wasn't bad. And I'm just not really sure the Jays are in a spot where they can take that kind of gamble. I think San Francisco is a nice fit there because they have that weird hybrid style starting rotation where they only really have two true starters, Logan Webb being one of them. And that's their guy who, of course, is their workhorse goes deep into games. And they have a whole bunch of guys, you know, Ross Stripling being one that pitch three, four innings after an opener come in and do bulk. I think Jordan Hicks might be good at doing that. Maybe, you know, he comes in and pitches the first two innings and then you bring in a lefty after that, something to mix up speeds, try some creative stuff. But I, I don't really see the Blue Jays doing that in 2024. So the fit just didn't make a tremendous amount of sense. So yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how that experiment works. I, I ultimately think you'll just wind up in a late inning role again, but the Giants are an interesting team. They do interesting stuff with their pitchers, so it'll it'll certainly be something to watch. The Astros backed up the Brinks truck for Josh Hader, adding to their bullpen. It's a five-year deal worth just a hair under $100 million. It's a lot of money, a lot of term to give to a position that's probably the most volatile in the sport, and that really is Josh Hader, too. Like, he's either elite of the elite or can't get you an out. And we saw that over his what year and a half with San Diego. Like when they got him at the deadline that first year, he was borderline unplayable by the end of the season. I think he finished with an ERA of like seven and a half. And then last year he goes out and is excellent. 56 innings, 1.28 ERA. He's just inconsistent. I look at that, man. That's a lot of money to give a reliever. I don't know if I would do that. Well, it also makes you wonder, um, Jordan Romano is only, what, two years away from free agency now? I think he becomes a free agent the same after the same year that Bo and Vlad do. And it's like, man, two more seasons uh, 
of uh, Romano pitching like how he has in, in 2022 and 2023. And what's he going to earn on that contract? Like that's one that we never talk about. We only really ever talk about the Bows and the Vlads. And then sometimes you'll get like Danny Jansen extension talk, but I don't think I've ever heard anyone talk about a long-term contract for Jordan Romano. That's a, uh, that's an interesting one to think about. I, I, Knowing the Blue Jays, it feels like that's a player they're probably not going to lock in long term. And knowing the fan base, they're not going to take it very well. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, just especially too, right? Everyone loves the thing of a Canadian kid and all oh, yeah. of that. Like there was some pushback today on the Justin Turner thing. If they would have signed Joey Votto instead, oh, yeah. there would be way more news, way more casuals getting involved in the mix. And it's the same thing with Romano, right? Like if it's any other closer people would be like, whatever, if he walked or, but if it's Romano, because of the Canadian aspect, and I do, I appreciate yeah. that the fan base as well. So it's not like the dumbest thing ever, but uh, a couple other ones, Mitch Garver goes to the Mariners on a two-year deal. What do you think of what the M's have gotten up to this winter? They now got Polanco, they got Garver, they're adding. So there's that. That's a weird team. Yeah. It's like they traded away Robbie Ray. They let Teoscar Hernandez walk. It seems like a like kind of a different outlook. I don't know. I don't know what to expect from the Mariners. It it uh, ever since their GM kind of came out <laughs> explicitly said that their goal was to win like fifty three percent of the games or whatever. It's like that's maybe something you keep quiet. And <laughs> I just it's hard to. And this is dumb to say because they they swept the Blue Jays in the playoffs and they had that that comeback win that was so humiliating and it was one of the worst losses you'll ever see but and it, it feels dumb to say this but this is how i feel it's it's hard to take the mariners seriously after the gm came out and said that it doesn't feel like they're every move they make it doesn't feel like they're it's a move to make them competitive it feels like it's a move to make them mediocre it feels like they're actively trying to go into games with the perspective of i don't want to lose as opposed to i want to win and that's a kind of a corny cliche thing to say but that's how I viewed them ever since that 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 comment about fifty four percent. It feels like they know they can just squeak into a wild card spot and yeah. maybe have a chance to do it. Right, get the fan base all fired up, but they never actually want to spend significantly to push for the Astros spot, push to win a division or whatever. A um, couple of former friends, Marcus Stroman goes to the Yankees, two years, thirty seven million bucks. Marcus Stroman is finally a New York Yankee after. Not going there. He went to the Mets and then he did the whole thing where he like publicly bashed the Yankees and all of that. And it's just like it reeked of the guy who goes and asks the hottest girl in school out. She says, no, and like, well, I, I didn't even want to anyway. What are, I, you're not even that hot. Like, it's not that big of a deal. Um, but he's finally a Yankee. So good for him. Yeah, I think um, Brian Cashman had to come out and or he had to speak to Marcus Stroman and make an apology about some criticisms he had made previously. Uh, there was a big scene about how Stroman wanted to be on the Yankees that year when the Jays traded him. And uh, I think it was Cashman came out and said that he wasn't the kind of starting pitcher they were looking to give uh, give like a lot to acquire. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was something like that. And there was a whole big shit storm. I think Marcus Stroman in the AL East will be a lot of fun. I think going up against him as an opponent will be will be exciting. I think <laughs> he'll there's 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 a bit of a budding rivalry here between the Yankees and the Jays. It feels like two teams that don't necessarily like each other that much. It feels like that sentiment is definitely true for some Blue Jays. Like think about Alec Manoa and this thing with Garrett Cole. Um, so just adding more fuel to that fire, I think will be fun. I think, I think Stroman's a great fit with the Yankees. There is going to be never ending drama with that. And it'll be fun to watch. Teoscar Hernandez goes to the Dodgers one year, 23 and a half million with X amount of that being whatever pushed down the line or deferred money. Um, so <laughs> has gotten real wacky when a one-year deal for a guy in Teoscar Hernandez comes with deferred money. It's 
whatever I roll, but the Dodgers doing what the Dodgers do and that's spend money and bolster their team. Yeah, you can definitely see Tay Oscar having a huge season with the Dodgers this year. Um, I feel like he's going to hit a massive amount of bombs. The the yeah, the deferring money thing for a one year deal is pretty funny, but for Tay Oscar, good for him. He wound up getting better than the qualifying offer, which would have been, I think, just a shade under twenty one million dollars if if Seattle had given him that and he had said yes. He winds up getting better money with the Dodgers. He'll probably put up a whole bunch of like you know box car stats a lot of home runs a lot of rbis maybe a decent ops low batting average kind of thing that's kind of the the dodgers moxie you either hit a home run or you strike out or draw a walk i don't think chaos will draw too many walks but a lot of dingers and a lot of strikeouts he'll be a perfect fit there um he'll make the team a bit more likable if they do go on to win the world series at least we'll have somebody to root for um yeah otherwise that was one where i thought you know of the former Blue Jays to potentially come back, Teoscar is probably the one I was most excited about, potentially. But you see that number and you're like, you know, you could split $23 million into a couple of different players and and you can see why the Blue Jays would favor that. And uh, finally, a player the Jays had some interest in, interest in reportedly was Jock Peterson. He goes to the D-backs on a one-year $9.5 million deal. Um, it would make sense why the Jays would be in on that. Um, again, power back and play a little bit in the outfield. And now I would imagine, again, presuming the reports are correct and they had legitimate interest in Jock Peterson, that probably does tell you they are somewhat interested in a guy like J.D. Martinez. I know Jorge Soler would cost more, definitely wouldn't be a one-year cheap deal like that. So maybe they're even interested in a guy like Soler, but J.D. Martinez would seem like a natural check down or not even check down. Yeah, Yeah, you'd think like, I mean, just given the fact that they were looking for the big left-handed bat and Jock Peterson, you'd have to think that they might still be looking for that. Like they added Turner. That's a good righty who hits lefties. Now, are they going to look for a lefty who hits righties? Well, or are they going to be like, you know what? Spencer Horowitz is fine in this role. We have players in the minors who can do it internally. It's a, it's really hard to say. And I think that's, that's kind of what we talked about earlier is, I guess we'll wait and see what the big picture is. I I, I, I kind of feel like it's we're, we're waiting to see with those Bellinger Chapman names, who's going to budge. That's what I'm guessing will come next for the Jays. But at this point, it's really hard to say. All right, let's shift away from the offseason. Actually, no, we didn't talk anything about uh, arbitration. I totally glossed over that. Um, they figured everything out except for Vladdy, which I guess maybe isn't all that surprising. But the gap is around $2 million. Coomzee, do you make anything of that? Yeah, this is a we we yeah, this is a tough one because Vladdy's one of your star players, but he didn't have a good year last year. And it's, you can understand from Toronto's perspective why they wouldn't, you know, they're not going to just settle and give the guy a huge raise because, you know, there's also one more go around at arbitration next year. So after his 2024 season, he's potentially going to be able to do this whole process again, in which case, if he gets the highest possible salary in this go around, then it's going to create the higher base for him to ask for more in 2025. It just makes things more difficult. But also furthermore, like $2 million to go into a room with an independent arbitrator and tell Vlad that he sucks and that he, you know, screws up on the base paths. His defense got considerably worse and he just simply isn't close to the player he was in 2021. I don't know if that's really ideal. Uh, Richard Griffin wrote a thing in his, um, in his sub stack. And this is a guy who of course has seen just about any arbitration situation the Blue Jays would have ever had from some amount of distance. And he kind of suggested maybe what the Blue Jays do in this situation is swallow the pill that 
they're going to, Vladdy's going to get the number that he wants, let him go in and hear a one-sided thing where his agent talks about how great he is and the Blue Jays have a few minor criticisms and he feels good about himself rolling into the season and that's positive. Or maybe we see the two sides talk about a long-term contract, but at this stage, it feels unlikely. If the Blue Jays, you know, just after the season that he had, it's hard to imagine either side really having the appetite. Like, I bet you the Blue Jays would look at this and be like, all right, a couple of mediocre seasons, maybe we can get you locked in for less. But if you're Vladdy, there's there's really no way you're going you're gonna to get rid of your own free agency so that you can lock in after the two seasons you just had, unless the Blue Jays are willing to pay you top dollar for the player you were, you know, in one season. But I, I really can't see that being the case. This this could be an awkward one. It was We went through the same thing with Bo last year. He wound up signing the three-year contract. Hopefully the Jays and Vladdy agree to a two-year thing and we don't have to go through this again. But... I don't know. This uh, arbitration can be really bad, but it also could just be nothing. It might not be the end of the world. My favorite arbitration story from this year involves former Tigers first overall pick Casey Mize. Uh, the player wanted 840000 The Tigers wanted $815,000. So they were about $25,000 apart for a guy. They used a first <laughs> overall pick on at one point. They ended up settling, and he's going to make $840K this year anyways, and there's a club option for year two. So maybe it was just, you know, they had to send in numbers because they were still negotiating a deal. But when I saw that come across a couple of weeks ago, I thought it was objectively hilarious that the gap was $25,000 that close. And they eventually get a deal done. Uh, let's shift gears a little bit. Talk a little bit of Hall of Fame before we wrap up the podcast. Uh, Jose Batista did one trip on the ballot and now he is off. A, a little bit surprising he didn't linger for a little bit, considering he's a guy who had some unbelievable seasons. Like we did this whole debate of like peak versus longevity in the Hall of Fame thing. And if you're someone who values peak Jose Bautista probably deserved to stick in the conversation for a lot longer than he did yeah he had he had great years like between 2010 and 2015 16 were one of the best hitters in Major League Baseball the 54 home run season was really incredible the one he had after that uh, was even better uh, Bautista was one of the faces of baseball I guess for a few years there but the voters really do ultimately care about about longevity. I wonder if 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 Bautista had won the MVP award in his big season and with 54 home runs, if he had that MVP under his belt and the Jays had won the World Series in 2015, I think you have a better argument. Yeah, I know that sucks to hear, right? Like we're talking about this now in hindsight, Jose Bautista, if only he had that World Series win, then maybe he I don't think he gets in, but at least he's on the ballot for, you know, he he, he has a few runs on the ballot. I think he only got like two or three three votes it was uh they were both they were both from toronto one was steve simmons ironically <laughs> and i think the other one was wilner i can't remember though but yeah it's a shame that nobody from from inside the al east uh tossed him a bone there but it is what it is it's not all that surprising i mean the the most surprising one ever for the blue jays was carlos delgado falling off right away which i thought was shocking like it's the same thing like no world series uh, i don't think he ever won an mvp um it's not that shocking but again like guy like carlos delgado probably deserved to be on a few more ballots than just one <clears throat> yeah uh cedo gaston wasn't voted in by the era committee the 2024 class is adrian beltray todd helton joe mauer and jim leland it is always weird coomzy we're two sports fans somewhat in the same age bracket for me it's always weird when we're getting to the hall of fame talks now and it's like guys that i vividly remember playing and it's like oh damn that's how you know you're entering a different sort of era in uh, in your sports fandom when the hall of fame guys are like oh yeah shit i remember seeing that guy a bunch of times 
I can remember when like Joe Maurer was considered like a young good player, like breaking into the league in the in the mid late two thousands. Like you play MVP baseball two thousand five, and that was like one of the best young players to have. I remember Beltre being a free agent, and nobody really thought that much of him. And then he goes to Texas and just has the just an incredible latter part of his career. Todd Helton shows that it's kind of like a like sort of more of the sabermetric thing like there was a lot of a criticism about having a colorado rocky in the hall of fame because of his um numbers at coors but great numbers on the road too so you can really see how the hall of fame thing is evolving like mauer's another guy no world series health and no world series but the the voting's all changing now and it's you're seeing players who were you know, good two-way players, good offensively and defensively for long periods of time, played with the same team in in Maurer's case. There's an interesting thing, actually, that he's the first player to be selected first overall by a certain team and play for that team for his whole career and make the Hall of Fame, I think, in baseball history. I think that's what the stat was, which seems shocking, but it also makes you realize how much of a crapshoot the number one overall pick is that, like, it never happens that you draft a guy and then he plays for you forever and then he makes the Hall of Fame. That's uh, that was really shocking to me, but it shows Hall of Fame is different. It's uh, it's a uh, it's an interesting class. Yeah, it is. All right, that is a wrap on episode one ninety four. First episode in a while. First time the Jays have given us anything meaningful to talk about in a while. So if another big signing does break, we'll have a new episode of the pod. Pitchers and catchers also report in like ten or eleven days here, which is like mind blowing to think of that we're already getting to that point of the year. So we'll be ramping up the podcast uh, from my boy Coomsey and our producer Brett. Another big shout out to our friends at Botano.ca. The game starts now at Botano. That's a wrap on episode one ninety four of Blue Jays Nation Radio. Best wishes. Thanks for tuning in to Blue Jays Nation Radio. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.